the Revolution Church podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Zo, Zo um, missed us. I missed. I missed you a lot, Zo. Well, it is. Uh, we're in July. We're in July already. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes! Yeah, it's been kind of a chilly July. Chilly July. Chilly July. brisk, brisk. It was really, but we had that heat wave at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had to borrow an air conditioning from my ex to. A window unit. Yeah, I, I have a window unit that's just a fan. It doesn't produce cold air, but it's just a fan. So sometimes it's not even really worth it, to be honest with it's you. It's crazy how like we've all been talking about global warming, and all of a sudden now it's like, it's here! <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, you did it! We were right, uh, but this really sucks. <laughs> well, um, good to be back here, and um, lots of good stuff happening. Um, it's crazy, because it's like with COVID, things have been opening up, but like, you know, L.A. just went back to mandatory masks, and um, I don't know if we're going to or not. I don't know. I haven't really followed local news. Wouldn't be surprised. But, uh, yeah, I got a new parenting schedule, so I just dropped the kids off uh, with their mom for a couple hours today, and then I go pick them up right after service. New parenting schedule means new life schedule for new you. New life schedule. My life is, yeah, yeah it, literally everything changes, so it's like weird strange world we live in and i know that you guys want to watch me talk about my parenting schedule because i know that is really um hot hot stuff hot topics hot hot content hot content um so today i'm going to talk a little bit about um one of more my a a talk that i've kind of i started with really years ago Uh, my first talk I don't even remember, barely, because I was so nervous, Mm. and I was talking to a bunch of teenagers who could give one crap about me talking or being nervous, and I think I yelled at the whole crowd saying, I'm really nervous, Um, and swore to never speak again after that. Oh, boy. Um, I'm glad you didn't hold hold true to that. I I improved my skills over time and and started speaking, and... and, uh, now I talk to you guys. <laughs> but one of my one of my first talks I got really excited about was was one on Ephesians. So um talk a little bit about about Ephesians two eight nine, which was one of always one of my favorite verses. Um oh, did anybody celebrate record store day yesterday? Oh I forgot about that. I actually did stop by the record shop and got the last literally the last Sinead O'Connor live album they had. Nice, bro. Yeah. I wanted the Sisters of Mercy live album, but that was all gone. Anyway, I figured I'd bring up that hot topics. Well, it's kind of, you know, if, it, it, it's kind of faded because you've been talking about Sinead O'Connor so much recently, you know, and then you got the last album. Yeah, I was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, ah! like, I was like, like kind of nervous, like, 
what you know thinking everybody and i had to bring the kids with me so i was like <laughs> you guys are good we'll get a present right. <laughs> we'll get something if you're good in the record store uh-huh. um so yeah um i has asked jason to pick me up some stuff but his his record store is also completely shopped over i don't know if i like record store day i don't like the pressure mm. especially if you're a parent and then they like open up super early and everybody gets in a line and right. just it almost takes the fun out of it. It's like $5 tattoo day. Yeah. It's just, it seems like a great concept, but then you get there and I mean, it's good for the record stores and I guess that's what matters, you know? Cause then everybody goes in and there and like, I'm going to buy up all these records and resell them on eBay, you know? So it's like, great. Um, so two verses that I, uh, that I like to use is Ephesians two, eight, nine. And I like to look at Mark two seventeen and, um, and kind of combine those two together and see how we can kind of uh, do that stuff. So, um, you know, and I was going to start with Ephesians, but I think I'm going to move over to Mark. So just I'm going to start at 13, Matthew 2, 13. Uh, Jesus went out again besides the sea, and the whole crowd gathered around him, and he taught them. He was walking along. He saw Levi, son of Alphas, Alpha, Alphas, sitting at his tax collection booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Now, one of the things that's really interesting about this is um, my last talk was about the woman at the well. And what's interesting there was how you know, trying to point out how Christ was humanizing her, not humiliating her, and not judging her, and nor requiring her to, you know, he didn't say you need to do this, or you need to do that, or you need to do this. Um, he was... Um, didn't chastise her for having so many husbands. Yeah, you know, I mean, he, he accepted her for who she was and where she was at, and used her and felt the need to express grace and mercy to her. Um, This one quick little sentence here, you know, about um, Matthew, which who he's talking to is is Levi, who becomes Matthew, the son of Alpha. Everybody changes their names. Um, I'm going to, that's, I went, I was Jamie and now I'm Jay. Uh, I kept it closer though than like this. It's like Abraham, (laughs) Abraham, Matthew. Um, and he said, follow me, and he got up and he followed him. But, you know, once again, here's Jesus going straight to a tax collector. Now, this would be like, for some of you, this would be like Jesus finding someone who stormed the capital And was like, and Jesus went and found, like, let's say the shaman guy with the crazy hat and the horns and all that stuff. And Jesus went up to him and said, be my disciple. Mm. And the guy was like, okay, and got up and followed him. Wow. Um, Because that's, in a way, how Levi would be seen as a tax collector. Most people would not look at Levi in the eyes, Matthew in the eyes, because they knew a tax collector could take whatever they wanted because they take the tax, but then they'd always add a little extra tax to keep for themselves. Um, he was Jewish and to be, he, that means he was a collaborator with Rome. And so he was seen as a, uh, 
a traitor to his own people. You know, he was betraying his own people because he was collaborating with Rome. So you have a Roman collaborator, someone who's involved in the government. So here's a, this is another good way of looking at this and seeing these type of things is how the gospel works, how following Jesus works. You know, when we say, well, I just want to be Christ-like. You know, I'm just a Jesus person. Mm. Oh, I don't listen mm. to any of those other people. Paul, those guys. Just, just a red Jesus. letter. Yeah, I'm a red letter Christian. <laughs> well, if that's true then you would be reaching out to collaborators and your enemies and things like that to work together and to teach. And um, another interesting thing was, is as a rabbi, rabbis, uh, teachers did not usually go and seek out mm. their students. You know, if you wanted to follow a rabbi, you would go to a rabbi usually, and, and the rabbi would tell you to go away, usually three or four times. And then eventually they would say, okay, you're ready to study. You're serious about this. But they wanted to make sure you were serious about it. Um, reminds me of that uh, scene in Fight Club oh, yeah, where they had the see. guy stand outside for like, you know what, get it, you need to leave. And they shut the door mm -hmm. and he stays out there for like a day. And then finally he's able to come into Fight Club. Um, but this is the opposite. This is Jesus just going right up to somebody and saying, follow me. So, so it's interesting. It's like, cause we always talk about, oh, Jesus hung out with tax collectors and sinners and it sounds really cool, but we don't, I think we don't ever look at the reality of that, you know, and, and, and realize that Jesus had, uh, folks in his, his disciples who, who probably really disagreed with this move. And, um, had some zealots in there who, who, who probably felt like they wanted to kill Matthew. Mm hmm. Uh, Matthew was literally the enemy. Um, hmm. So this is the type of thing. And it's funny because I don't see a lot of people talking about this, you know, and it's like, we just, we, uh, I see so many people talking about deconstruction and how shit the church is. And then I see the other side being like, oh, we've got to stop people from deconstructing and we've got to do this. And say, you know, it's like all this crazy conversation. And it's like, we're just kind of forgetting like the simplicity and beauty of the gospel and and talking about like who was Jesus? Who did Jesus hang out with? Who did Jesus? I mean, there was always room at Jesus's table for everybody, you know, for people you respected and people you didn't respect. And so this is what you see is Jesus is is doing that. So Jesus reaches out to Matthew and makes him one of his disciples. And Matthew's literally in the midst of doing his 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 collaboration with the government. And he goes, come be my disciple. Um, so that's, that's a pretty powerful moment in itself. I mean, you could really do a whole talk just on uh, Jesus and traitors. Um, so Jesus says, follow me. He got up and he followed him. And as he sat at dinner in Levi's house, so I mean, this is like not even, I mean, I love this. It's like, it just goes further. It was like, come be my disciple. And let's go to your house for dinner, you know, and for a rabbi to sit down and have dinner with people in that setting would be that he was stating a life covenant with them. Um, so here you really have is like Jesus at Matthew's house, not just saying, follow me. You know, but he's made it clear, like, this is someone I'm in covenant with, and so are all the people that I'm sitting with. And so he sits at dinner, and it says, Levi's house. Many tax collectors, so some of Levi's friends, who are also seen as collaborators, were there as well. I mean, Jesus really did not give a damn about reputation. And that's pretty interesting. 
you know, for somebody who's going around claiming to be the son of God to not care what other people think about them or who they're associated with or guilt by association or anything like that, not trying to be like, oh, I, I mean, Jesus's politics just doesn't, we all try to claim Jesus as our political friend, but Jesus's politics are just almost null. He's just like, nope, these people are here, these mm. people are here, these mm. people are here. Mm. You know, when he gets pissed is in, in the church but and with Pharisees, but that has to do with more with organization. Um, but he seems to be concerned with the church, you know, and the church becoming a, a safer place. But as far as other people's political views, he's like, oh, no, I'll use you. I'll use you. I'll use you. Oh, you guys hate each other? Yep. Well, why don't you guys just come and work with me together? We'll figure that shit out later. You know, this is what Jesus is constantly doing. So, you know, all this like bickering that we spend so much time on focusing on these things that seem so major to us and seem like such like the end of the world uh, feelings, Jesus, these folks are saying there's something beyond that and the what is beyond that is the recognizing each other's humanity and i don't think we'll ever grasp that concept but we're all human we're all the same we all have desires we all fall short we all Mm -hmm. live Mm -hmm. life we all you know we might have different like i don't like the capitalist system so i don't have to follow it but just but that doesn't mean i don't have the same desires as someone who's like like one of those millionaires who's flying to space i mean i don't want to fly to freaking space but you know what I mean? Like they get hungry, they get tired, they get tired, you know, they get horny, they get this, you know what I mean? They get all these, they're human beings, they live their lives. And, um, and, and we have that humanity in common. And, uh, you know, so for some of Jesus' disciples, like I would never be a tax collector. I would die before I would be a tax collector, you know? Jesus is going, okay, you don't, I'm not asking you to, I'm actually asking this guy to quick tax collect. He didn't come work for me. We're going to do it all this. We're going to do this together. You know? So Jesus is there Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners. Oh my goodness. were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples for there were many who followed him. So this is the, Jesus hung out with the bad crowd. It still gets me that I was raised the way I was raised in church was always told not to hang out with the certain people and to avoid certain people and not hang out with the wrong crowd, you know. And what even boggles my mind more now is that now I, I, I've gone the further way, and now even people who in, in my other side <laughs> tell me not to hang out with certain people right. or associate with certain people, and I'm like, right, yeah, you know, like I can't. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, that's why I like Bob Dylan. Like I remember when Bob Dylan did that Victoria's Secrets commercial, and I think he did a Cadillac commercial. And everybody was like, what? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Was I not supposed to do that? Nobody, you know, I, I didn't realize I, I had to follow certain rules, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Or um, I remember one of the Ramones was driving a Cadillac and someone was like, that's not punk rock. Yeah. And then one Ramone guy was like, I am punk rock. Yeah, you know, yeah, I exactly. decide what punk is punk rock. Now it's <laughs> punk rock to drive a Cadillac, <laughs> you know? And, you know, so Jesus was showing us like, this is just like, being worried about your reputation, being worried about your Twitter followers mm. or your Facebook reputation is not anything that's really important Right. Uh, when it comes to humanizing people and having intimate relationships with human beings, you know? And I think we forget that, 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 that the, how important the relationship can be with other people. It's hard for me because I'm super introverted, you know? I mean, I would have been the, like the quiet disciple, mm-hmm. you know, like, 
He always sat in the corner of the room. You okay? I'm fine. Don't, I, don't need to ask me. I'm okay. I'm fine. A little bit of pita. In the, last, in the Last Supper pictures. <laughs> last Supper. It's like, where's Waldo? I like the back of the guy. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm taking care of the chat. I'd be on the other side. It would be the back of me on the other side yeah. of the long table. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back of your head. Um, why is no one sitting on this side of the table? This is really awkward. I mean, I like it, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but when some of the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors. They said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? You know, so obviously this wasn't something where Jesus was like, we're going to keep this on the down low, Mm. you know? Um, I mean, if you think about it, like, you know, what would, I mean, (laughs) I don't know. I just think Jesus would have done all sorts of things that would have driven us all insane. And Jesus would have been canceled. And Jesus was like, you know what? I better come way before electricity or telephones or newspapers or anything like that. Because if I, if I do any of that, no one will really ever like me. Um, so I'll do it this way. Um, it's just these subtleties we forget. Like we talk about the sermon on the Mount, you know, and healing the lepers and working with the poor, but we don't often pay attention to the subtle things of just Jesus showing humanity Mm. to other people, Mm. you know, and people that you wouldn't like and people you don't like. And you would be like, why? So they're basically, they're going like, he's associating with these people. They want to cancel Jesus. They want to shut Jesus down because of who he's hanging out with. Because obviously if you're sitting down having dinner with tax collectors, you are winking at, at a, you know, uh, collusion. Collusion is that the right word? You know, uh, working. You know, cooperation. Or collo- collusion. Yeah, you know, like you're like, oh, he's winking at working with Rome, so mm-hmm. we know where his heart really yeah, is. Colluding. You know, so. Um, but when Jesus heard this, he said to them, "Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call sinners, not the righteous, but sinners." And I remember you, I used this once at a, a friend of mine's church that was a big LGBT church, and they were like, you know, I don't want to be a sinner. I don't like to be a sinner, you know. And I it, it went because I use this actually use this in a talk. And we've always been told we're sinners and we're bad because we're you know gays and, and lesbians. And I was like, you know, no. The thing is, is you do want to be the sinner. You do want to be the human in the room. Mm. You do want to be the person who falls short in the room because that's who Jesus wanted to be around. That's who Jesus was attracted to. That's who Jesus wanted to work with. What I like in the New Living Translation is I've come to call sinners not those who think they're good enough. Good enough mm-hmm. You know? That's right. And this idea of you think you're righteous because something you've done. You think you're righteous because you have a set of beliefs and right. you believe and you've subscribed to a system and you have a group that you hang out with and you all agree to think this way and to vote this way and to do certain things and you and, and that makes you good. Mm-hmm. You know, we all still live in that idea that I'm good because well I recycle right. and I'm good because I you know I do this thing and and I vote this way and, and my heart is this way. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes me good. And virtue signaling, I think. Yeah, you know. And and Jesus was saying, well, what really makes you good is when you sit down and have a meal with somebody, you know, mm. 
and I've come to call these people and let them know they're human and that they're not separated from me and that we can't, they can share meals. I mean, if Jesus's claim is true, if Jesus literally is the son of God, if Jesus is God incarnate, look who he sit, look who he's sitting with, Yeah, you know, and he's upsetting the religious teachers of the time and the religious teachers are at the time are mad at Jesus because he's sitting with the wrong people because he's hanging out with the wrong people. And the funny thing is, is probably his own followers are upset when right. Jesus is with, goes to see the woman at the well, you know, part of that story is his disciples going like, why is he with her? What's he doing? Talking to a woman alone. Well, he doesn't have any food. Nobody brought him food. He's telling us a lot. He's lying to us. There's no food, you know? I mean, seriously, that's like, they're all like disgusting. It's like, what's he doing? Why is he talking to her? What's going on? You know? And certainly when this woman, you know, comes back into her neighborhood and they're all like, oh, there she is. And she's like, oh, I think I just met the Messiah. They're probably mm-hmm. like, why would she be the one to meet this right. Messiah? Why her? You know, what? let's go check this out. But this sounds eh, highly unlikely. Do you see what's happening here is that there are no rules. This is why I like punk rock because- this sounds like such a youth pastor thing to say, like, yeah. I know somebody who's pretty punk rock. <laughs> yep. His name is Jesus. So, yeah. You know? Um, but to be honest with you, you know, or you could say he's an outlaw, you know, or something like that, because he just doesn't care. Mm-hmm. You know? Someone who he reminds me of is 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 is, is like John Lydon or Johnny Rotten, you know, who is this really crazy guy and he liked Trump, but then he was, you know, he's crazy and the other like Trump. And then he also takes care of his really sick wife. He's also one of the greatest punk rock musicians and post punk rock musicians I've ever heard. And yet we, you know, and he just doesn't care what people think. Sometimes he does stuff to make people upset. He'd rather upset you than that, right. you know, but like there's these, there's certain people or musicians or artists who just don't care. You know, like, I don't care what you think. Cancel me. I don't care. Celebrate me. I don't care. Buy my album. Don't buy my album. I just don't care. And it felt like Jesus had something to that, but his art was humanizing people. His art was touching people where they were at and and being with them where they were. And this is the tough message of Christianity. This is what people don't like about Christianity is that Christianity literally pulls away when Paul says there's neither male nor female, nor Jew nor Gentile, a slave nor free. You know, it just takes away all this status, all this us and thems. And it just says it's really about us. And so Jesus tries to point this out, knowing exactly what they th- they're thinking and saying, I've come to call sinners, not the right, not the righteous, but sinners. So in a almost way, he's like, yep, you guys have it all together. So I'm not here for you. Or you think you have it all together. And there's no way I can reach you if you think you have all the answers right. and you think you're too good to sit with tax collectors. If you think you're too good to sit with collaborators and traitors and prostitutes and, you know, zealots. And, you know, if you think you're too good to hang out with these people, then, you know, there's not really much I can do for you because you're not going to want to hang out with me because these are my people. Mm-hmm. My people are the outcasts. Uh, my people are um, outcasts who don't like each other. Mm. That's the thing. Mm. So it's not like he's just got this one group that's like they're all with a cohesive thought, you know. He, he, he's literally got 
a divided group of human beings that he's working with and talking to. I mean, you know, also like he was talking, you know, the woman at the well to go back to that. She's a Samaritan woman, you know? So they see her as a half breed. This is why his disciples are like, you're the Jewish Messiah. You're not, you're you're not here for them. You're here for us. Mm. You know, and he's going, no, you know, remember that time that woman said to get the crumbs from the tables? I woke up. I'm here for everybody. Right. I'm here to humanize and love everybody where they're at. Amen. So, what am I doing today? I am encouraging you to think about what following Jesus means. Mm. And what it means is, is there's nobody you don't talk to. Mm. There's nobody you don't dine with. Mm. Um, we've talked a lot about, you know, obviously like loving from afar and praying for those, praying for your enemies, which I, I, I say is, is kind of a, is loving from afar. Um, is, is the idea of like, well, you pray for them because they might hurt you. But it, it, I'm not saying just go hang out with your enemies. I'm saying just go out and hang out with people who are different and think differently and do differently. Um, so I'm not saying put yourself in danger where you're going to go and like, this was the person who hurt me. Okay, let's just take that person out. What I'm saying is, is how we go in. I know my loving from the far is, is Zoe really got me to thinking about that. And and then when I did love your enemies and it says also pray for them, I thought pray for them. That's loving them from afar. That's like, God, I'm giving them to you. Cause if I go around them, I'm going to either smack them yeah. or have a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but he's just saying like, okay, so you don't go, maybe you're not going to go to your parents' house and have dinner with them because there's so much weird conflict and stuff like that. But there might be people who you know like that who are different, who don't hit every trigger you have. And um, go spend time with people. Humanize one another. Hear each other's ideas and thoughts. Grow with one another. You know, um, there are good and bad people in every organization, in every side, on every division. You know, we've become such a divided country. And Jesus would just be like, I don't freaking care what you vote for or think. I honestly believe it. Now, I, I have friends who would be like, no, Jay, you can't say that. Jesus would you know, get into that. But to me, if Jesus, the concept of Jesus is bigger than politics. Yes. You know, um, it, it's bigger than a system. It's bigger than capitalism. After those systems die, after those systems go away, after those systems fail, to me, Jesus the idea of Jesus and following Jesus and following Christianity is still there. And we're still using it to, to, to surf through these different ways of life, but it's by humanizing one another. That's really what the, that's why I really hit with the thing with Paul a few months ago, why I wanted people to really start reading Paul also realizing what letters claim to be by Paul aren't by Paul, you know, because I think this is important revolutionary stuff. I think a reformation could come out of this type of understanding also with the Hegelian influence uh, as well, which is really tough. I'm really studying my ass off to get there, but, but yeah, Jesus is not the system. Jesus is always above and beyond the system, Right. you know? So you don't have to be a Republican to be a Christian. You don't have to be a Democrat to be a Christian. You don't have to be a freaking anarchist to be a Christian. You don't have to be, you know, a punk to be a Christian. You don't have to be whatever to be a Christian, to follow Christ, you know? Um, 
And if we were able to humanize one another even more and do what Jesus is doing with like following and talking to Matthew and sitting down at these tables and, and having these conversations, we would realize that those systems and our opinions of those systems change because we grow from knowing one another. Mm-hmm. We, get, we see other people's lives. We see what shoes they've walked in, why, where they've come from, what their hurts and their pains are, what their passions are, who they care about, where their love is. And maybe we can help expand that, or maybe they can expand it for us. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I think back over to Ephesians. Um, I'll try to... I used to use like three verses at a time, and I think my connection one is I can't even remember what it is anymore that I used to use to connect these two. So I'm getting old. Um, there's probably something in Galatians. Um, but Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we go over to Paul. Let's see what Paul has to say. Um, um, I'm going to start with 7, 2, 7, Ephesians 2, 7. So that it is an age to come, he might show the immeasurable, immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and thus not your own doing. And that's remember, remember that part through faith, not by your own doing. And even for those of us who've grown up in this faith of Christianity, we somehow have been sold the idea that faith is our own doing. Now, I'm not going to go and say we were predetermined or anything like that, but I think that causes us to take another step back and go, like, what is faith? Re-examine faith. Mm -hmm. Think about faith. Where is that there? It is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast— for we are what he has made us, created Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before hands to be our way of life. But this idea is that there's no way to boast. And what do you think is that we've created a system where we go on these apps that are run by billionaires and we boast. And we might not boast particularly just about ourselves, but we also boast about things like Oh, look at this article I'm reading. Mm, oh, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Oh, look at this book I'm reading. Yeah. Oh, have you seen, have you listened to this, this song I've re- listened to? Been, I really like this band. And we kind of show who we are mm-hmm. and put out this Bex picture of who we are. That's right. Um, even if it's like, you know, we know like, well, I need everybody to know I'm a little screwed up. So I'm going to talk about my therapy in this. But we still put this ideal version of ourselves that's right you know forward we're not talking about like oh i've been really constipated all day you know what i mean maybe some people are that's you know but you know i really anybody got any good ideas for how you know i can be regular again you know that's not our biggest uh, biggest thing you know and um you know i'm not putting on pictures of like laxatives on instagram point is as we all shit you know it's just that's the reality of life you know so we all deal with that um, but this idea is that no one may boast, that grace isn't about us, that grace isn't about, about what system we have subscribed to. Mm-hmm. It's about humanizing one another. And this idea of grace is when we accept we're accepted, 
as we are is really when we can only change. And I like that. It's like the idea is just as soon as you're like, okay, this is me, then you can change. Right, right. Rather than I got to work on it. When you got to work on it, usually you just kind of hit walls, you do these things. But once you start to go like, it's not about me, we can change. And what we can do is help others realize Mm. that. That is so true. And live in that, that Mm. grace. And we can also have grace for those who sit around and brag all day about how good they are or how wonderful they are and all things like that, you know? And and maybe pull a little Jesus and start hanging out with Levi's and Matthews and you know and people like that, so they can be Zacchaeus. like, maybe he's different, you know, Zacchaeus, yeah, wee metal man in the tree, um, you know, th- those those folks, and 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 maybe helping those folks who who feel that they have to have this wall or this you know this these boundaries of who they'll spend time with. Maybe we can lead by example and say, well, they, we don't have these same bound. I don't have these boundaries and I'm still living. And that's what I want to do for folks like you guys is, is, is just be like, who gives a damn? For me, I, I think concepts of Jesus and Jesus' life and the concepts of like punk rock and, and artists and musicians and things like that who've allowed me to see this type of life where you just live and philosophers, I mean, people like Pete Rollins, you know, he doesn't care who or what your political system is. He just wants to have a good conversation. He just wants to think well and think, you know, and, and, and encourage you to think well. Yeah. And so for me, that's the same thing as I hope we can show that here more. You know, I hope once we start having uh, in-person meetings, we will have such a diverse group like we do here on online where we have people who are all different parties and different thinkings and thoughts and associations. Um, but I hope we can kind of take that, that, need to please others away that grace can move into that that it, i think we have to get to a point where grace becomes beyond just being like i'm accepted by god you know it's just i am accepted yeah. you know and like i don't need other people's opinions that's everybody's got an opinion and and that's just going to happen and what does that really do to me you know if it's not true i mean yeah they can cancel you sometimes if people say things that are not true about you but even to that point it's out of your hands. All you can do is help humanize others and humanize yourself and be a human and, uh, and show grace to each other. And I think that's, to me, what I keep coming back to is um, having this, even through conflict, is, is the idea of even having conflict with someone is, is, is seeing their humanity. It's actually seeing the hardest parts of humanity mm-hmm. when we have to deal with conflict with one another. And in, in some ways, it can bring us closer, and it can also bring us apart. But um, but conflict shows the nitty gritty of, of of the human world of what we all deal with and how we all have suffer and we all have pain and we all hurt each other, and and how do we have grace to live in that, you know, and to speak the truth to each other out of love as well, you know, especially when people, you know, bastard bastardize that and be like, I'm just telling you because I love you that I don't want you to be gay, you know, I mean, it's like. Uh. I'm not saying you're, you're, you become a legalistic bastard and call it love. What I'm saying is you figure out what love really is and the grace that we talk about, and you really are able to show that type of love to others and, um, and to yourself, because that's the hardest part. Yes, it is. You know, I'm, I'm way more of a critic to myself than I am to other people. But um, that's today's talk. So I, I think I saw some... Some comments. Yeah, we sure do. We got some questions and comments. So let's do the afterglow. 
Just FYI, what I'm doing back here is our memory card on the recorder ran out of space halfway through. So half of this talk I'll pull from the audio of the online, so there'll be a little bit of a quality change in the audio halfway through. But anyways, so yeah, so um, first kind of direct question for you, Jay, comes from our dear old friend, Steve Peters. Steve asks, what about really rich people who seem to have everything? Shouldn't we go sit with them too? Personally, I find that challenging. Yeah, I think we should, if we can. You know, if we can. Unfortunately, so many times, very wealthy people are guarded and protected. Um, but if we can, I think we should. And I think those are the type of people who can support reformation. You know, they can make reformation right. happen, you know. It's like, like, I know space seems really cool, but I have some ideas about humanity and how we can humanize one another. You know, you want to get behind that and, and, and see how we can live here on Earth? So, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely, I don't think, you know, I mean, I've gotten a chance to speak with, you know, people like Jessica Chastain. And she yeah. spoke with me for an hour and we just were two human beings brought together through my, my family's story, you know, and it was, yeah, it was great. You know, I mean, the first reaction was, I'm talking to a movie star, <laughs> you know, yeah, but then right. the next thing was, I'm just talking to a person, Yeah, you know, and that's how you do it. That's how you end up, you know, I, so I think that's vital, important. I think we should do that. I think we should be talking to politicians. I don't think we should be angry if we see people talking to politicians we don't like, you know? Yeah, sure. And then, you know, canceling yeah, them for canceling, that. Yeah, mm -hmm. And know? even kind of making presumptions about other aspects of them. Uh, yeah. You know, oh, if they're, if they are X party or if they affiliate with X political party, then they've also must this, this, and that, you know, I've, I've had, uh, I know personally I've had when friends or, you know, newer friends or friends I haven't seen in a while find out that I'm, I've gotten back into church and gotten back into Christianity, you know, because I had a, a time of seeking there for a while. <laughs> they find that, like, oh, you're a Christian now. They'll say, oh, so you hate gay people, you know? And yeah. I'm like, well, I'm, no, actually, I'm queer. But, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of, of assumptions that come with labels like that, including rich people. Um, and then Kate responded to Pete's question herself and said, I also find that challenging. But from my experience, I find they often might be rich in money and belongings, but after spending time with them and getting to really know them, they are so poor in so many other ways. Yeah. I mean, I was, as a child, I mean, I, my parents were very wealthy, but they were still human and still suffering and still going through part-time, still struggling with their marriage, you know, still dealing with all the same things. They just had a lot more stuff and more people to help with the mundane stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, which just creates more problems. And you're like, well, I don't have to clean my house anymore, but I have to deal with this. <clears throat> you know, and yeah, it's, it's, it is, it is tough. But, you know, I mean, I mean, like people like Pete Rollins, you know, there was, he had somebody, some people support him to come to America, you know, who were very wealthy. And I'm grateful for those folks, you know, because that's why I have my best friend is because, some wealthy people believed in what he did and believed in his work and said, we want to help right. promote your work, you know? So how cool is that, you know? So it's like, you know, it's just part of the, you know, we all play different parts of the body and different parts of the system and, and how can we, 
work together in that system to better that system. And, you know, I mean, yeah, we could use a couple of millionaires to come down and hang out with us, you know, and mm -hmm. support our work. It would be great. Um, but, you know, I don't expect that. I mean, we'll treat you just like anybody else. So, yeah, I, this is I, I don't want to make this into a whole tangent, but I wonder sometimes if, if we are the best judge of what part of the body we are, of what role we fill or if others around us you know, reflect that back to us more so, more effectively. Yeah. You know? Well, I think our words, I think what we say and how we do it, you know, I think everybody, people really focus a lot on action. They're like, I don't want to hear your words. I want to see your actions. Sure. You know, but I've been studying a lot about the unconscious lately. And really, we say a lot, even by lies or what we think we're saying or yes. by our defense mechanisms or how totally. we say certain things. Our words say so much. Yeah. Um, about who we are as well. So Absolutely. I think it's just, we always want to sum it up, like, just show me your works, you know? Right. You know, no, I'll listen to your words, you know? Are you defensive? Are you this? Are yeah. you projecting, you know? Are you, you know? And we look at things like that as well. It's yeah. like, are you speaking out of your pain? Are you speaking out of love, you know? Totally, yeah. You know, we all have to live with an unconscious as well. Absolutely. So that's the type of thing is, is it's like... Reading between the lines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do recommend anybody read read Freud. I mean, he's... He was a great writer, and he's easy to read. Um, but, the, you know, seeing these concepts, you know, it's just not everything is these, you know, black or white answers. Like, we even want, you know, both sides want black and white answers. It makes me kind of crazy. That's right. Uh, Steve chimed It's so funny. I see Steve's picture, and he's in a suit, and I'm just not used to seeing him in a spiffy, suit. Huh? He's looking pretty handsome there. Steve. I was like, who is this new person? <laughs> and why do they keep saying Steve's name? Dashing Sir Steve Peters. <laughs> yeah. Um, the rich people. <laughs> so Steve chimed back in here and said, but doesn't Jesus say rich people need to leave all that behind? It's more difficult for rich people to enter into heaven than, you know, eye, the eye of the needle. The eye of the needle. Yeah, I mean. Does that, does that mean they need to adjust to where they're not rich, therefore they can enter heaven? Or they adjust their attitude to, you know, is, yeah. is it the rich mindset or is it the rich possessions? Well, I, I think one of the things, I'm going to take a really weird look at this. I'm going to come in from a weird area do it. on this. Um, is when sometimes you, when, you're, when you have money, you don't think you need anything. Mm -hmm. oh. And mm -hmm. you also probably not only ignore others suffering but you ignore your own suffering because you think well I have everything that I'm supposed to have what the capitalist system tells me is that I'm a winner that right. I'm complete and that I'm whole and so what happens is is and I've done this you know by my blood sweat and tears you know um, and what happens is you think you filled the lack and I yep. think that's maybe what Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler and people like that is like they think they have the lack taken care of. That's right. They have the money. Well, I give money here and I do this. And so they no longer have, you know, they've, they keep filling that lack with the millions of dollars that they have. Um, and I've said this before is that I believe that sin is anything that tries to fulfill the lack. I think we have to learn to live with that lack. Right. And I think that's what Christianity truly is, is living with a lack and accepting that lack. And that's what grace does for us. Mm -hmm. um, totally. So I think what we're looking at here is, is people who have a harder time accepting the lack, mm -hmm. accepting their need for other humans uh, as, as friends and neighbors um, rather than employees. 
You know, I remember my dad had this dream in prison once and all of his employees kept saying, we're hungry, we're hungry, we need your help. And he was reaching down and he was making these sandwiches and he just started putting money in the sandwiches and handing it to them. You know what I mean? But they didn't need the money. They needed something else. You know, and he was saying, this is how I was answering the problem. It was like, well, I'm giving you the money, so do what you're supposed to do. Right. You know, take care of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't about the humanity. It was about... Well, here, I'm going to help you meet your, your needs the way you need to meet them, and then we don't have to have any personal interaction. Uh, mm. And so then there's a, a lack of human connection. Um, what I love about the community I live in, I live in um, housing, uh, what, I don't even know, how, what do you call it now? Uh, um, subsidized. Subsidized housing, city housing. Um, but anyway, yeah. um, we're all different races here. In my apartment complex. Um, but we all help each other if we need it. You know, like the other day, they uh, give you two examples. Like, okay, first of all, my kids always get in my car and play and my turn my battery on. My light, the lights on the car, it always dies. So I'm always meeting my neighbors because I'm always getting a jump from them. Wow. I had to actually go buy cables. It happens so many times. Right. So I'm always getting jumps from my neighbors, you know. And we always have these really interesting conversations of just us living life. Mm. It's not about... Me being a white heterosexual male and them being Hispanic or them being Samoan or them being black. Yeah, it's about us just like, hey, yeah, it's living here. Oh, did you see the thing the other night? Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, right. Right. Or my kids were playing. I was doing laundry at the, at the laundry mat here at, at the, on the complex. And they're outside playing, but they wanted, everybody wanted the ice cream truck to come. And, I, yeah. and this lady was like, hey, you know, kids, the truck's not here, but I've got some... Um, I've I've got some SpongeBob pops oh, at my house. If you guys just want to have some SpongeBob ice cream, you know, and like it was just this thing of like we're just here in community. That's great. And what brings us all together is that we're all just trying our best to make ends meet and to live in community. So we have this kind of like help each other out attitude um, that you don't see in the media. Like in the media, you think we we're all like, and I was standing up here going like, <laughs> right. you know, it's not like that. You know, yeah. it's like. We're all just, you know, economics also brings people together and humanizes people. So I think as well as it can humanize us all and bring us together as a community, if you're really wealthy, like if like I was a billionaire and being a, being an introvert as I am, I would probably just be like, just take care of this, take uh-huh. care of this, take care of this, take care of this, and I will be sitting in my room really? playing video games, you know, or whatever, talking, uh, talking to my, my congregation, mm-hmm. never touching anyone. Right. Um, you know, but... But finances doesn't always, you know, lack of finances to, does, does it in a different way. I mean, even in communities, like, I remember one time I had to take a car back. To, I was living in Atlanta, and I had to take this car back that I had been leasing. And the tires wouldn't go. And so I took the car to this place to get it fixed and get the tire fixed. And I'm like, listen, I just need to drive the car, like, three hours back to the dealership. You know, so I, I don't need a new tire or anything. I just, well, we can't fix that tire. We can't fix that tire. And so, you know, I was with one of my buddies, and I'm like, all right, come on. And he's like, well, you got to get the new tire. I'm like, no, 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 just come with me. And I went into what some people would call the hood, um, you know, downtown, and I just went into a regular, like, mom-and-pop body shop and was like, hey, guys, this is the situation, you know. I don't have a lot of money. i got to take this car back. I'm probably going to owe money on it. I don't want to buy a new tire. Can you guys plug in? There's more than one hole and they won't, you know, this place over here won't do it. And they're like, yeah, sure, man. You know, we're glad to help. And it's just the idea that sometimes 
it just the playing field is even even through economics yeah and we don't realize that and i think that's why i kind of harp on capitalism a little bit because i think that often is is a bigger separator than we give any um credence to is it credence uh, I don't know. Then we give uh, credit. Credit. Then we give credit to, you know. I, I think we miss that. Mm-hmm. And um, so, honestly, the probably the problem, the person I've got along with least in my apartment community is the one of the people who run it, you know, the, yeah. the, the white woman who runs the community sure. oversees it and having to talk to her about, like, hey, there might, there's somebody sleeping in the hallway the other day. Can you help me with this? You know, like, yeah, I know it's, that. that's the hardest thing. It's like uh-huh. the rest of the community, we watch out for each other. That's right. So that's right. I, I think that might, I know that was a long answer to your question, Steve, but to me, that's, I'm just looking at it in that kind of way as I think, you know, plus I think in Jesus' time, suffering was a huge part of life. Everyone suffered. People didn't, you know, my age, they were gone. They were dying, you know, of some disease. I, and I think suffering was such a big part of life. And I think often, like, I don't think riches save you from suffering because obviously rich people kill themselves and go through things and feel lonely. Um, but I do think it can kind of take you away from the humanity of others and your own humanity in some ways. Yes. And so I think that might be be part of what Jesus is saying is, like, you know, suffering is going to be always be a part of life. And we shouldn't be shocked when we go through it. Yeah. yeah. You know, so... And the Buddha said that too. Yeah. And I mean, no matter how much therapy you go to or how many analysts you see or how awesome your faith is or your religion you subscribe to, there's still going to be suffering. Mm -hmm. You know, there's still going to be, you know, that's all part of it. And you've got to kind of learn to live with that. Yeah. You can sit... There's an old Buddhist uh, example. You know, you can sit in a chair and say, oh, I am comfortable here. And then within, you know, 30 seconds, your your butt starts hurting. So you got to readjust. comfortable. Oh, I mean, you know, you have to, it's, it's a constant, you, you, we are in constant suffering, in a state of discomfort. Um, and then, we don't have any more direct questions just yet, unless anybody else wants to chime in real quick, but we did have a couple of quick comments here. Joe said that, um, I'm not, he, was, he was responding to something specific, I wish I'd written down what it was, but he said it, it's important for us to assume the best intentions. Um, no, I mean, I think that's, it's... That's not an awful thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I think we're in a world where we always expect that there's some sort of collaboration and that people are working yeah. together and you know, to deceive us and to hurt us. And yes. Ulterior and motives. Ulterior motives, you know. and um, Because we've seen a lot of it. I mean, you know, we, we see a lot, you know. I mean, look at all the monopolies we have in our country right oh, now. Yeah. You know, and, and, and how workers are being treated and stuff like that. And it shows you how... <laughs> what a fine line these people operate on, you know. Absolutely. And um, and and there's there's a you know another thing is like like Bezos or Jeff Bezos, and how do you say his name? Bezos. Could could you know you're like well he could afford to pay people more, but if he gave everybody a little bit of a raise, it would affect his because oh, he yeah. works on this fine line of like and it's just weird how there's this line between like really wealthy and then like oh you know yeah. and so he you know and that's where the humanity starts to go out because like i want to be this you know so this other people's humanity is going to have to suffer so we can be num- this you know and that's where we we start to distort things that's you right. know i put up a thing the other day where it's like this guy has to choose between pushing two buttons and it's like end in world hunger or go to space, and he's like sweating, trying to figure out which button to push. You know, 
Um, you know, so you can see what, you know, the, like the three richest guys in the world right now are all going freaking flying space. airplanes of space. Yeah. I mean, like, who gives a damn? Yeah. Right. Is that the new trolley problem? Is the push the space button or the... <laughs> or the furrian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. And okay. hunger or go to space. The last comment that we have is uh, from Greg. He just said he, he really loves your point that Jesus is not a system. Yeah. So I think that we can kind of extrapolate from that. that Christianity uh, ideally is not a system. But we have turned Christianity we into a system. Yes, right. And right now it's really two big systems. There's the left Christianity and right Christianity and really we should not be involved with either one of those systems. We should be moving through those systems. That's right. um, you don't get as many as speaking engagements. You don't get many as book deals. You don't you know, get invited on as many podcasts when you walk that fine line. Right. Um, what's great is you get time to equally love everybody, but you also get to equally criticize everybody, mm-hmm. and I love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. So I get to go, oh, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the South Park guys are really good at that. Yeah, no, Matt, those Matt guys, Trey. those guys are awesome at yeah. that. You know, they just, you know, you're like, you think you have them figured out, and then mm-hmm. the next episode, you're like, wait, but I thought, I thought you said uh, you were in this team. Yeah, so yeah, well, I think I, I, there should problem. be more of us to do that. Well, thanks everybody. Hey, listen, if you like what you're hearing, we're soon going to be looking for a location, which means we're going to have rent. Also, this guy is not being paid yet. Um, that's what we need finances for. We need finances to. I'm I'm making a living. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I make my 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 uh, full pay, and sometimes I don't. But the idea is right now that's where we're at. We're bare bones. Yes. So we'd love to see Caleb have a little bit more money. We yeah. would love to also be able to pay rent on a on a new location. We're not going to build anything or make a building. Um, if there's a millionaire out there who wants to buy us a building, great. <laughs> um, you know, the Superdome or whatever you guys have here. Um, Can I say something real quick? What? Can I say something really yeah. quick? Yeah. I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been helping me out recently. I, I had a GoFundMe, you know, recently that, that people really, really p- pitched in on it. it was the majority uh, of which were, were people from this congregation. So thank you all so much from the bottom of my heart. And, um, you know, that hopefully we could roll that into something to where I was getting, you know, uh, you wouldn't be donating as much, obviously, but if we had a little bit more tithing, then I could be on yeah. staff and I'd be able to devote more time and produce more content and make it, make it more polished. And I think you would see a big difference if I could just devote all of my time to... And, that, and that's one of the things is like, it's kind of like people want it to look glossy and good and right. then support it, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's yeah, kind yeah. of always hard because we're like, oh, we had to buy these lights and we right. had to do this camera and we have to do that, you know what I mean? Yeah. My main but, thing was the thanking. No, you. but no, I hear you. But, but what I'm trying to say is to the yeah. folks here is like, but when you do support us, it can look better. We can do more. Good point. You know, we can, you know, we're going to be filming from a from a live audience, which is going to be a completely different thing, you know, and we might need more than one camera, you know, especially with the discussions that we have. Yeah. And with after yeah so you know things are going to change and, and get different and we're going to need support and then you know what we can start doing like when we when we meet we can do christmas drives and we can do things that we care about and you guys can lead groups and you know we can have people doing things around the community and, and doing things that we care about you know in a way that maybe brings people from different systems together to uh to recognize one another's humanity as we help others, humans who are, who, who are in need of help and, and suffering. So thanks a lot, everybody. 
Love you very much. Appreciate you. And um, keep showing each other grace and, 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 and don't give a damn what anybody else thinks, you know? Just be, be, be you. You're good enough just the way you are. Bye. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.